This is Colby, and you're listening to Wait, How Do You Spell That? A Rare Disease Podcast. This is our first show of 2021, and from all of us here at Patient Worthy, we'd like to welcome you to the new year. We hope you made it through safely uh, what was a challenging year for everyone, and especially rare disease patients and those living with chronic illnesses. And uh, we're all here hoping for a better 2021 for everyone. And today, we're going to be discussing cystic fibrosis, which may be familiar to some listeners. Cystic fibrosis, uh, we might be referring to it as CF here. It's a genetic condition that causes progressive respiratory and digestive system damage. Someone with cystic fibrosis has thick, sticky mucus in their bodies, which builds up in their system. And to talk about this condition today, we have a special guest from our partners over at Snow Companies. Rachel Sutherland is an editor and copywriter with experience in the field of patient outreach. And she's here today to talk about her own experiences with cystic fibrosis. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. And I hope you had a good holiday break. It was certainly much needed after 2020. (laughs) It was. It definitely was, yes. (laughs) Uh, So to get started, would you mind uh, giving us an overview of cystic fibrosis for listeners who may not be familiar? Sure. So as you mentioned, cystic fibrosis is a genetic condition. It is a recessive condition, meaning you have to get one recessive gene from each parent, and then you have two copies of that gene, and you are diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. When you have the CF gene, it causes a malfunction in what is called the CFTR chloride ion transfer channel. So basically what it is, is there's a a problem getting salt and water to go properly across the cell membrane. And that causes all of the secretions in your body to be extremely thick and hard to move. So the mucus in your body, your saliva, digestive mucus, things like that. And um, as you mentioned, it does cause areas of complication in the lungs primarily, and also in the digestive system. So focusing on the lungs, because the mucus in the lungs is so thick and hard to move, it's hard to breathe just because of the very thickness and the amount of secretions in your lung all the time. And also because it is so thick, it um, traps bacteria and viruses in the mucus. And so you get repeated chronic infections throughout your life. And those repeated and chronic infections cause scar tissue buildup which causes decreased lung function and is ultimately fatal. And following along from that, the thicker digestive mucus that you have throughout your stomach, pancreas, liver, uh, bowels, the whole thing, because it is so thick, it blocks the natural pancreatic enzymes that we make to digest food from leaving the pancreas. People with cystic fibrosis have a very hard time breaking down food. They have bowel issues. They typically are underweight and can be malnourished because they just do not digest food properly. Most of us actually have to take supplemental pancreatic enzymes every time we eat to attempt to digest that food. And typically we're all very thin and you can kind of tell someone has cystic fibrosis typically because they cough every day. It's loud coughs, like you can't really hide this. It's not something you can kind of just sneak around with and you're typically very thin. So it's kind of easy to spot us actually. And so cystic fibrosis is, uh, it's a condition that's typically diagnosed at birth. It's, it's one of the common factors in newborn health screening. It's done routinely. Most recently, yes. Most recently. Yeah, right. that's uh, more of a recent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was growing up, they didn't typically do the newborn screenings like right at the outset. It was more so when you um, started presenting symptoms, you would then get the testing and be diagnosed. Now it is one of the ones that they just test for automatically, which is great because um, earlier diagnosis and treatment really helps uh, to increase our quality of life and our lifespans. 
but when I was younger, it was not uncommon for people, you know, into their late teens, 20s, etc., to be diagnosed later in life if they had milder cystic fibrosis because it wasn't always caught. It was sometimes thought to be like, oh, they have chronic bronchitis or like just digestive issues or something if it wasn't severe enough that they would have been tested for it. My father is a family physician and he's actually diagnosed several people in their late 20s, at by which point, however, um, they're typically in kind of the later stages of the disease. And so their lifespan is not as great as you would wish because they haven't had any treatment prior to that time. Mm-hmm. So the, the process for diagnosis was a longer one for you. Can, you. can you speak about some of what your experiences were on the road to getting diagnosed? Well, um, although my dad has diagnosed several people in their 20s, I was actually diagnosed at birth because I presented with what's known as a meconium ileus, which is a type of bowel obstruction that is commonly seen in CF infants. So the meconium, for those people that are not aware, is the first bowel movement that babies pass um, upon birth. And in cystic fibrosis babies, because of the increased thickness of the mucus throughout our body, it is incredibly thick and it can lead to bowel obstructions, which is what happened in my case. And so the day I was born, I was actually rushed for emergency surgery and had a bowel resection at that time. And due to that, the doctors were pretty much certain at that time that I did have cystic fibrosis and it was later confirmed with genetic testing. And so uh, affecting such primary uh, systems in your body, so your respiratory system, your digestive mm-hmm. system, among other things, um, yes. you know, for, for a child then, um, respiratory infections are very common <laughs> just in general. Um, so mm-hmm. can you speak about some of your health experiences with cystic fibrosis then? Typically in CF children, they're hospitalized quite frequently, um, depending on how severe their disease is. And how effective we are at fighting off the chronic infections. So when I was growing up, I would go into the hospital um, for several days up to several weeks to get IV antibiotic therapy, um, minimum like twice a year to uh, more than that if I was sicker. And they actually would call it a tune-up. So you would go in, you would get a bronchoscopy where they would actually go down into your lungs and suck out as much mucus as they could at that time and culture it to see what specific uh, infections you were growing so they could use the right types of antibiotics. And then you would have a course of two to three weeks of antibiotics after you'd had that procedure done. And so every month, like every six months, I was in the hospital for a little bit of time. And if you were sicker, you could be in every three months, every other month, you know, it just depends on how uh, ill you were. And I I think that's still pretty common. Most cystics do go in um, for a tune-up, you know, every six months. You you can make it last longer. if you are really on top of it and your infections aren't becoming too severe, but it's not uncommon for us to go in multiple times a year. And so since this is something that is uh, typically diagnosed fairly early on in someone's life, do you have any advice for say a new parent whose child Mm -hmm. may be recently diagnosed? Yes, I do. Um, First of all, don't panic. (laughs) I know, you know, it's very overwhelming. It can be very scary, especially when you start getting hit with, um, the life expectancy for someone with cystic fibrosis, because it is not as great as you would wish for your child, right? Typically, people don't live to be past middle age. Um, The median life expectancy, I believe, is like in the 40s now. However, um, CF therapies and treatments are increasing every day, like the availability of them and just the different types and what they do for you. Most recently, um, Some of the newer CF drugs have come out have been like miracle pills. I'm on one that has completely changed my life in the last year. 
and I'm hoping will increase my lifespan. So first, don't panic. And second of all, I would just try to find a really great CF parent like support group because they know what you're going to go through. They, they've done it. Their children are older. My mom actually kind of acts in that capacity in a lot of the um, online CF community when some of the um, younger parents kind of come in and they're panicking slightly. She'll reach out to them and be like, my daughter's almost 30 years old. She has her own life. She has a job. She lives independently. You know, you can handle this. And it's just, you have to be very diligent in doing your treatments and impressing upon your child the importance of being diligent and doing their treatments because the longer you can stave off those infections and stop the scar tissue from building up, the longer their lifespans will be and their quality of life. So really, you cannot slack off. And I think that's what really needs to be impressed upon, you know, children as they start to grow into being independent. So if the parents are really diligent in having that dialogue with their young children and like why we need to do these things, it's a pain in the butt sometimes. You don't want to do treatments when you want to go out with your friends on the weekends and stuff. But really just having that dialogue and impressing upon the impressionable children that you need to do these things in order to have the best life that you can have, I think is, is the best um, advice I could give. Okay, and navigating the healthcare system can be a challenge for almost anybody. Um, but for people who are diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, <laughs> do you have any specific advice for how they can better navigate a system which may not necessarily be set up for them? Yeah, um, typically you will get a CF team at your uh, cystic fibrosis clinic that is closest to you. And I think just having a really great dialogue and rapport with your team. And so, you know, when new treatments are coming out, they're going to call you right away and want you to try, like, try out for the studies so that you can, you know, advance in your treatment is the best way to do that. I think it's just having a really strong support system and trust in your team. And if your team is not the best fit, maybe try to go to a different center and try a different team. I've, I've, moved around quite frequently in my uh, later years, going to college and then grad school. And I found what works for me in my healthcare and with my team. And I've been able to find individuals that mesh with me in that way. But it did take some trial and error. Like you really need to see what works for you and your style of treatment and your treatment plan and just your personality even. So I think that's one of the easiest ways to just try to navigate healthcare and get a great support system around you and then lean on them because they all have different areas of expertise, right? The biggest thing for me besides just finding a team that you mesh with and works well with is how to navigate dealing with insurance companies because as someone with cystic fibrosis, you will constantly be on the phone with your doctor's office and your insurance to try to get the various therapies covered and that can be very stressful and emotionally draining. And I think just being able to advocate for yourself and don't take no for an answer the first time you might get a rejection for something that you really need is something that's kind of hard to um, impart to people. You kind of just have to have gone through the ringer and come out the other side. But maybe even getting someone like, particularly for people that are transitioning from pediatric care to then um, adult care, and your parents used to deal with all the insurance headaches and everything, it can be very daunting. If you still feel comfortable, you can actually lift your parent as one of the um, individuals that they can speak to on the phone, and then they can often help, you know, navigate for you. Like if you're at work and your mom calls them, she can kind of, you know, deal with them while you actually do your day-to-day kind of stuff. But um, I've, my mom has done that for me on several occasions because I just could not deal with them anymore. Like I had uh, 
last year a lab bill that came back as out of network just for like routine labs and it was supposed to be in network but they sent in the wrong code or something and even though you know they assured me they were going to fix it i then got on the hook for twelve hundred dollars in lab bills <laughs> and my mom she was going to call and you know deal with that on my behalf on several occasions because i had work to do every day and i couldn't deal with the stress of having to be fighting for something that should have been covered in the first place mm -hmm. right you know, just because you're a, an adult now doesn't mean that you don't have, uh, you know, that support system of your parents. Right. They, can, they can actually can still help you with that. <laughs> right, right. And so they have that knowledge. So I think maybe even finding maybe the social worker at your CF clinic or something like that who, who knows the ins and outs of the insurance and how to fight those battles might be really helpful. So it sounds like you might have had some success uh, using the internet to find support groups out there. You mentioned your mom does a lot of yes. that uh, mm -hmm. earlier on in the discussion. Um, do you have any uh, good support out there on the internet that someone should check out if they are if they do have cystic fibrosis? Maybe someone who is, uh, you know, heading toward being an adult and having to make their own decisions. Um, yeah, I would just say uh, primarily Facebook. I know that isn't you know the most um, reliable of sources but there are a lot of closed private cystic fibrosis groups and groups of the specific cystic fibrosis therapies like the one that i'm on the most recent um you know miracle pill there are two or three groups where we all can go in and support each other through our treatment journey on this new drug and talk about side effects and talk about you know tips and tricks on how to manage those side effects and stuff things that the doctors might not be explaining to you because they are not the ones having to take the drugs so much but then having that support network of friends who are going through it with you is really great so i would say facebook is one of the best ways you do have to ask to join these private groups not everyone can join but if it typically has like a little screener that says do you have cystic fibrosis or are you a family member of someone with cystic fibrosis and you click yes and you agree to the the group's rules essentially that you can't spread any false information or anything like that and then you just join these great communities of people that are really striving to move on this journey of cystic fibrosis together. And for listeners out there who may know someone who has cystic fibrosis, a friend or a family member, mm -hmm. do you have any advice on how they can be supportive? Sure. I mean, this obviously varies for everyone because everyone's personalities are very different. I myself am very open with, with my CF. It's not a secret. Everyone knows about it again because it's kind of hard to hide when you're coughing all day. Um, but I think just making it a normal part of their lives, don't make it this like big outsized, like special thing that's kind of like scary, you know, it's just one more thing you have to do every day and then treat them accordingly. You know, their energy level might not be what they would like it to be. So instead of being like, oh, well, why couldn't you come out today? Why don't you say, why don't I come to you and let's just hang out and watch a movie or, you know, binge watch Harry Potter for six seasons or something. <laughs> um, it's just, <laughs> Being able to meet them at their energy level and where they are, because especially, you know, like now, most of us are self-isolating. We can't really be around our friends. So maybe, you know, do a, a Netflix virtual, you know, um, all of your friends watch the movie at the same time kind of thing. Just really try to reach out to them and make sure that they're still feeling included because we do face very isolating circumstances most of the time just because we have this very severe illness that requires most of our energy. And then we have to always be constantly protecting ourselves from infections and things like that. So even when we are trying to hang out, we can't necessarily hang out with each other. Like 
other cystics are not supposed to congregate because we could pass this very specific and often deadly bugs that we're growing to each other. So I think it also, it falls on our non-CF friends to kind of then, you know, bring us into the fold there because we can't really even just hang out with our CF friends that much. The emotional aspect of cystic fibrosis, you know, it can be quite daunting. It is a terminal illness that has not mm -hmm. changed, even though the drugs are getting better every day. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people are going to need to vent about it. They're going to need to be angry. They're going to need to be sad about it. And you, just to be there and provide them that like safe space almost to have those emotions. But then at the end of the day, try to be positive about it because no one really knows how long they have. And so just living in today and living for now is, I think, the best advice I can give for people. You know, allow them to have those emotions, support them in those emotions, but don't let them dwell on those emotions, right? Is there anything else that you'd like people to know about cystic fibrosis as a condition? Um, it is very complex. I think that's the hardest thing to explain to people. They kind of think, oh, when you try to break it down and explain to someone, oh, it's just like having a really bad flu, right? because they've explained that to people before, or they've done the analogy where it's like, you're drowning from the inside out, or you're breathing through like a coffee stir stick. That's some of the big, like, this is what CF is like kind of things that they tell to um, healthy people. <laughs> um, and it's, it's kind of hard to explain like what it is, how it all encompassing it is, because it is your lungs, it is your digestion, it can affect your heart, it can affect your liver. Uh, a portion of CF adults, because of the effects it has on the pancreas, actually have cystic fibrosis-related diabetes. I am in that group, so I have CF and I have diabetes, <laughs> and so all of the things that come along with that. And I think just because of the complex nature, it's very hard for people to really grasp what it is to have cystic fibrosis. You know, and I think that can create some barriers in people really like understanding our struggles. And I don't know how to fix that issue, but I think just being more cognizant of how complex it is and how all-encompassing it is, it's not the rarest of diseases, but it's not a common disease. It's not as common as say like asthma or something where everybody's kind of familiar with like the basics of what asthma is, right? So even if someone has heard of cystic fibrosis, they're typically like so-and-so they passed away. It's always with this very negative connotation because they don't see a lot of healthy CF people or if they do, they're no longer with us. Mm -hmm. Like if they have previously known them, they're no longer with us, right? So it seems like the first interaction of someone when they learn that I have CF is always tinged with a little bit of negativity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think maybe just trying to be like, oh yes, I know what cystic fibrosis is and then just leave it at that. Don't say, Yes, because my neighbor's daughter died, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> you don't need to add that little extra tidbit of negativity when you're interacting with someone with CF. We know that people with CF die every day, and we don't need to be reminded of it every time we meet a new person and they learn that we have CF, right? Right. And because everybody's an individual, you know, you should always take yeah. them as they are right. rather than some sort of homogenous group there. Right, yeah, right. That's, yeah, that's good advice. Well, uh, Rachel, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show today. You've certainly been an excellent guest. And anytime that you'd like to come back on, uh, if there's anything specific to cystic fibrosis you'd like to speak about, just let us know. You provide us with a lot of good information. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy to have been here today. Okay. And for listeners, if you'd like to know more about cystic fibrosis and especially awareness of the condition, I'd recommend you check out a, one of our partners over at Breathe With Me. It's a social media community group which raises funds for cystic fibrosis research by focusing on outreach to the non-CF community. 
And you can find out more at breathewithme.org. And if you like this episode, consider leaving a rating or a comment on your favorite podcast platform. It's quick, easy, and it really does go a long way toward helping us. Also, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook by searching for PatientWorthy or by visiting PatientWorthy.com for the latest rare disease news. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>